following presentation was recorded live by the Jewish Ethics Institute. Okay, so we, we actually uh, we did this topic in 2011. Uh, we're going to revisit it uh, because it's been in the news a lot lately. Some of the candidates are talking about it in the medical plans. So, uh, so we're going to revisit that. Let's see. Revisit. For you, Dave. Um, so, if you this has been in the news the last few months, um, there is a guy, Martin Shkreli, I think I'm pronouncing it properly, Shkreli, from Turing Pharmaceuticals. Sounded more Jewish on TV. I was going to ask, is he one of us? No, no, no. <laughs> no I don't think so. He's Indian or Pakistani. He, so anyway, he runs a hedge fund. He actually says, he's, I'm reading here from Wikipedia, he's born in Brooklyn, New York, 1883, young guy. Um, so he, uh, Turing Pharmaceuticals, um, seems like, uh, sorry, his hedge fund bought, more or less bought Turing Pharmaceuticals, and they acquired a drug, um, the original, uh, t the original firm was Vetrofin, okay, and the drug, one of the drugs that they produced, that they acquired recently, was a drug called Daraprim, which is an anti-parasitic drug um, for certain parasites, very rare um, disease that it treats. Some, there's only around 2,000 cases in the United States, from what I read. Um, after acquiring the drug, they raised the price of of a one tablet from thirteen fifty to seven hundred fifty dollars uh, to a tablet. So they raised the price by more than five thousand five hundred and fifty six percent. That a lot per tablet. <laughs> I'm not good with that because <laughs> okay, leading him to be referred to by the media as the most hated man in America. So basically, there are people who. Uh, so you leave, you lost your seat. Oh, well, I see. Brian stole from me. You, um... So what? Here you go. Nothing. So, in December of 2015, after this whole story, it was really technically, as we'll see, there's nothing illegal that he did, um, as far as American law is concerned. Nothing illegal about, uh, about charging, about what he'd done, uh, raising the prices, but um, he was arrested by the FBI, really un totally unrelated in December of 2015 on uh, securities fraud charges, which people are saying, of course, are a result of him being uh, this whole story. But really, there's nothing that they have him for as far as related to the drug charges. He resigned as CEO of Turing Pharmaceuticals, was replaced by the company's board chairman, um, and he's currently, uh, um, and he was, uh, he was arrested, he was indicted, but it hasn't gone to trial yet, this securities fraud trial. Okay, so, so we're going to try to address his case just from the halakha perspective. Again, not the securities fraud case, um, but the drug pricing issue. Um, he can be a consultant for you and start traveling around the shul and lecture. I'm trying to raise my fees by 5,000%. Is that where people are in buying? Okay, so, so the question is, is a general question. There are really three questions involved. One is, um, can you char charge for drugs at all? Um, if it's something that someone needs, we're talking about life-saving. In this case, clearly it's a life-saving drug. Um, question number two is, is there a cap on, on uh, how much you can charge for a drug? And number three is, um, is there something, 
is community or maybe politicians can do as far as um, doing something about the price of drugs. Okay, so just some other examples I have on top of the page here are Cyridose, a drug used to treat gauchers, uh, yeah, sorry, that shade disease, costs an average of $300,000 per year for a patient. Single dose of Genentex um, tissue plasminogen activator, drug for treating heart attacks, $2,200 for a single dose. Remicade is a drug that reduces signs and symptoms of Crohn's disease, Jewish disease, costs $10,000 per infusion, needed every six to eight weeks. Okay, so these are some exa examples, and uh, we have here, by the way, Usher, Mr. Usher Langer, a drug expert, expert on... Uh, expert, expert. He's, uh, he's making money up to 5,000%. Yeah. Not personally. Why? Who do you work for again? again? Amerisource Bergen. And I'm not representing the company. Okay. <laughs> so it's okay. So, recorded. so what, what do you, what's, what do they, what do they do? The company? We are one of the largest drug distributors in the United States, actually in the world. So distributor, you're not, distributor. you don't actually create and or manufacture any drugs? No, but we, all the manufacturers sell through distributors. Mm -hmm. Do you set prices or the prices are set by the pharmaceutical company? Those prices you're referring to are really set by the manufacturers. We have a small markup. If you for a public company, for instance, any drug distributor distributor that's on the stock market all the big ones are. You can see what their earnings are. They're, even though we're talking about a $110 billion a year company, percent-wise, it's probably under 1%. In terms of what? The markup of the pharmaceutical? The bottom line after taxes. So, as far as we operate, it takes a while to explain all this, we actually operate on a brand of pharmaceuticals with a negative price. And we have to make it up in generics. So brands like what you're talking about here, we may price it anywhere from two minus what we pay. Two percent to three percent. I'm in a plate. Give the man some food. Sorry about that. So the pricing of pharmaceuticals is a pretty uh is uh, very It's, it's, we're constantly having to keep ahead of the competition and keep market share. But um, when it comes to brand pharmaceuticals, these specialty drugs are called specialty drugs in our business. And they are very high priced, and there's probably a lot of margin in there for the manufacturers. I mean, you have HIV, Pepsi products, Remicade for rheumatoid arthritis, and others. There's a pretty good markup to the manufacturer. When it comes to the suppliers that distribute, there's not a lot of mm, so you So on specialty drugs, where the volume is pretty low in certain cases... Volume is, the dollar volume is high. Yeah, but I'm saying the volume as far as, let's say but in this case, the, this drug, the, we're saying the Daraprim, they only sell they're only 2,000 cases in the United States. So that means you would be making very little money on that. Text, well, you're, that one product, yes. we'd show high sales, low profit. And mm. it's really the manufacturers that are 
making it. And that they, you know, say it's research and development. Yeah. Yes, we'll get there. Okay. Feel free to, to, if we say something wrong, feel free to uh, let us know. Or something you're not happy with. Everyone else does anyway. Um, okay. So, so. Okay. Not eating today? I, I just had a late breakfast with uh, President Bill Clinton. Oh, really? Yes. I'm, I'm sure, you, sure you lost your appetite there. So you might want to. We had a lot. <laughs> you were there, there? You were there, too? Mm -hmm. huh? We'll be looking for it. Okay. We'll ask about it. <laughs> um, okay, so, um, so we're, let's. We're going to skip down here. Let's skip the first two ports. We spoke about it enough. I want to get to the halachic part, and then we'll go back. So the, the question is, again, like we said, the first question is pricing in general. Can you even charge? So this is a topic we, we discussed and has many applications, um, including our class right here, is that we have a concept. First of all, we do have something we discussed in the past relevant to, to medical care in general which is that there's a famous quote, Gemara in Kedushan, the Talmud in Kedushan says that the best of physicians is destined to Gihinam. It means best of physicians is going to hell. Um, and the question is why, what, uh, what that means. So Rashi there is one of the, you know, the foremost commentator on the Talmud says that um, it gives multiple reasons. Um, it's not every physician, but it's only the best of physicians. And one of them he puts in, relevant to our top, he says he does not subdue his heart before God, meaning, as we know, many physicians are arrogant. They think they're the ones doing the healing, as opposed to that it comes from Hashem. Number two is he says sometimes he kills. Um, obviously, if they, even not intentional, but as we know, it's a risky business, uh, treating people. Um, and number three, he says he's able to heal the poor, but he does not heal. And a physician is taken to task for the fact that if they don't take your insurance, they're not on their HMO, or if you're not on their PPO, whatever the case is, you, you, uh, they're not going to take you. Or if they don't take um, Medicare, Medicaid, and many physicians. So, so they end up turning away patients due to their lack of the ability to pay. So that in itself, says, the, says according to Rashi, at least interpreting the Talmud, that in itself is reason for them uh, to be going to hell. So you see that in a certain sense, um, not taking care of turning away a patient due to lack of payment <coughs> is a problem. Okay, so obviously that would apply certainly to a pharmaceutical company too. And by the way, Shkreli, in what I've read, has made one of his arguments is that they will offer it to free, for free the, their, their medicine to people who can't afford it. So I don't know, I didn't check the facts, but that's one of his arguments when he testified in front of Congress, he did mention that. Um, that he that they their company does offer their medicine, and I know many pharmaceuticals do have a program where you can apply if you can't afford the medicine. Um, you can apply to get the medicine for um, for free or or much cheaper cost. Okay, so that's number one. Now, in general, um, first thing is to understand is, and we discussed this also in the past, that treatment, uh, medical treatment, and and even giving. Uh, Clearly, supplying um, uh, medical medicine, um, pharmaceuticals to someone is is considered medical treatment, is a mitzvah in Jewish law. Okay, um, it's it's obligatory. It's not just it's not a 
which is the business, but um, when he's a physician, even if you are getting paid, as we'll see, for your um, treatment, for the service you're providing, you're, you're performing a mitzvah. If you're saying, surely if you're saving someone's life, even if you're not saving someone's life, it clearly is a mitzvah, it's considered a mitzvah involved. A mitzvah, I don't just mean it's a nice thing, a nice, good deed, crossing the lady the old street, it's actually obligatory in that sense. Okay, so if you can heal someone, um, and you have the ability to heal someone, whether it's through treatment, whether it's through providing medicine, you have an obligation to do that. Okay, um, so much so that the halacha is, and so I quoted number sixteen. Uh, number sixteen. Now my numbers are way off here. I have to change the numbers. Um, the 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 Talmud says, let's say someone takes a vow not to give benefit to someone. Okay, he makes a nether. Um, Talmud attracting the dharm. It says he's still allowed to treat him. And if he's a physician and that person's sick, um, he's allowed to treat that person. The reason being is since, as we're saying, it's a mitzvah, it's obligatory, so there's a concept in, in Judaism called mitzvahs, lav lahanos I mean, mitzvahs, we don't view when someone is doing a mitzvah or um, receiving a mitzvah, that's not called benefit. Because a mitzvah is obligatory. So we don't view a mitzvah as a benefit in the sense of a tangible benefit. Therefore, even if this person took a vow not to benefit from this guy, and this guy now, he needs this guy, uh, whether he needs his, his drugs, he needs him as a physician to treat him, he's allowed to now still go ahead and get treatment from him, because that's not considered beneficial, and since it's a mitzvah, since it's classified as a mitzvah, you don't view the performance of a mitzvah as beneficial. Okay, that's number one. So you see that concept there, and we see that uh, medicine is considered a mitzvah, as we're saying, uh, obligatory. More so, so now, the, the reason where this is very relevant to us is in the sense of, as we discussed this also in the past, a mitzvah, if something is obligatory, it's a requirement, the Torah requires you to do it, then you're not allowed to charge for it, okay? Um, as we said many times, a rabbi technically can't charge for services. You're not allowed to pay a rabbi a salary. Um, there's, as of course, this is Judaism, so there's loopholes, and we'll discuss some of the loopholes. But, uh, but technically speaking, you cannot pay a rabbi for performing services. Um, a mole, by the way, now charge. he's now in charge for doing the bris. If you ever ask a, a, a mole, uh, what's the rate? He'll say, um, I can't charge you, but uh, the custom is to give this amount. Or that's what they say. But no, because technically speaking, as we see, you can't charge for the performance of a mitzvah. So, and the source, by the way, is teaching of Torah. Uh, it's, and this is a biblical source. Talmud says, quotes it in um, number 17 on the paper. It says, of you decided, Rav, it's a verse in, in Deuteronomy. It says, um, Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, Hashem tells Moshe, uh, Moses, that he, he says, just as I have taught you, right, 40 days on the mountain, Hashem taught Moses for free. He didn't charge him for his teaching. Okay, he says, Hashem, you cannot teach you cannot charge for your teaching. If you're going to teach Torah, Hashem tells Moshe, you can't charge for it. You're not allowed to charge for teaching Torah. That's why we don't charge for a class. So I always put in gourmet lunch, because what I'm charging you is for the gourmet lunch. We don't charge you for the Torah. Again, halachically, it's prohibited to charge for a Torah class. Meaning, we would not be serving lunch here, okay? And I was just teaching Torah, and I'm, I cannot charge you for that, Torah, for that Torah class. It's a verse. It's actually a biblical violation. Okay, it's based on this verse in Deuteronomy where Hashem tells Moshe he cannot charge just as I have given you Torah for free you cannot charge for Torah so, okay? so to fill in technically they're not allowed to charge 
what do you mean? For selling your pair of mm-hmm. Yes, so it's the same thing. So this is where the loophole comes in. Very important loophole. Because of course, for my overhead, I can charge. I mean, I can't charge you for the service of teaching Torah. But I can charge you, like we're saying, in this case I have lunch, you're paying for the lunch, you're paying, I can charge you. It costs me money to make the tefillin. Okay, so there is that, the tefillin itself costs money. So that's what I can charge for. Um, as we'll see, this, again, teaching Torah is the source um, of its prohibited, for, but we apply that to any mitzvah, even a chazan in a shul, um, technically, or you can, he can't charge for being a chazan. Okay, what he can charge for, the cantor, so what he, there is, this is the loophole. The loophole is he can charge, as we're going to see, for his time and his, his expense. So meaning if, if I uh, could be, you know, in my other life, I, always, I could be a lawyer. And I could be charging $350 an hour for being a lawyer. Now I'm stuck here teaching you guys Torah. Okay, so, so technically I can charge you for the fact that for this hour it could be making all that, I really can't charge, I mean, I'm not a lawyer, so I can't charge, whatever, whatever I could be doing in this hour, I could be day trading, or whatever it is, making money somewhere else, I can charge you for my loss of time, so to speak, in my, uh, what I could be doing, my other job, so that's what I can, so the same thing with Chazen, um, and by the way, this, um, this is also a loophole for, well, not for Shabbat, but, but the, uh, so, so that's what they're charging for, so rabbi, uh, the truth is today, rabbis, public rabbis, what they do is they do all this other stuff, which is not a marriage counseling and you know they do a lot of stuff you have to deal with the board of directors is that's not a mitzvah going to board meetings is not a mitzvah okay so they can charge for that okay that's really what they charge they can't charge for their sermons um so that but they can charge for their loss of time and for the other things that are not not a, not a mitzvah so that's really loophole so same thing as so far if you're saying technically he can't charge for the for the service of the tefillin but he can't charge for his loss of time uh, hundreds of hours in writing uh, Sefer Torah, things like that. So that's what he's charging for, the materials for that. Okay? Um, so, so the question is applying that here, not a question, but the, the application here would be, again, once we're saying treatment, uh, medical treatment is a mitzvah, so the same thing would apply. You Technically, a doctor shouldn't be able to charge for his treatment because it's a mitzvah. He's, a, he's obligated to save someone's life. Okay? So technically speaking, and a doctor should not be able to charge, and this is codified in, in as we'll see in the Shochanar, that uh, one cannot charge technically for his for his medical treatment. What he can charge for again is his tircha, is that means his his what he went out and uh, he spent eight years in medical school, whatever it was, um, and he and for his lost time, that's all he's allowed to charge, technically speaking, halachically. Okay. The same thing would be for a pharmaceutical company. I mean, if they're supplying drug, and we're saying treatment, especially if it's a life-saving drug, um, there's no question. So that's a mitzvah, they're saving someone's life. If they're selling drug. Jew to Jew again? Oh, of course. Yeah, we, yeah. Okay, we can. There's no prohibition for a non-Jew to charge because it's not a mitzvah for me. No, it's only no, we have no, the mitzvah. Just saying for us. Um, Do we have a mitzvah. Saving a life is a mitzvah. Yeah, treating saving life. It's a mitzvah touching, yeah, but yeah, no, I'm saying the letter PC. Yeah, so this guy, Shkreli, whatever you pronounce his name, is not Jewish. He's not bound by this, but I'm saying as Jews, you know, if we own the pharmaceutical company, you're performing, you know, what we're saying is technically you can only charge, you can't charge for the mitzvah part. That should be a non issue that we draw publicly traded anyway, so. Oh, yeah, if they're publicly traded, yes. Right, but if it would be relevant. If it's if it if the majority stockholder, 
What, there is some privately owned? There's some, yeah. It's called Louisiana that is a competitor of ours. That's, that's a distributor. A distributor. I'm talking about it as a man. Privately right. owned uh, drug companies. A Midline distributor. They're public. Uh, but it gets it, but even if it's true, let's say even Walgreens actually a right end is owned by an Orthodox Jew, Syrian Jew, was, I think he sold it to, 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 yeah, to yeah. CVS, right? Well, they're public. Teva. Teva is the pharmacy. Right. They're public. Um, so, now, in regards to the doctor, right? so he spent $200,000 in tuition. No, you're not allowed. Not two hundred thousand anymore. That was uh, that plus. was you were going to school. Two hundred thousand plus. These days. All right. So he's allowed to, you know, get back the two hundred thousand charge that the cost he had, but no return on that. Um. Again, for his what's called bitles man, we'll see for his time. Also, he can charge for his time of all the time he put into the time he invested his work money too. The cost of right. Okay. Time and cost is what he can no charge. No return on that. No profit, technically. But the question is, how do you define time, and how do you, how do you figure that out? That's a, that's a sticky area here. So, um, where were we? Okay, so now, so now what's interesting is there's a few important caveats here. One is, so so technically, what we're saying is this same prohibition of charging permits should apply to a pharmaceutical company as well. If they're saving lives, which they are, clearly in this case with with this uh, narrow print. It's a, it's a drug that saves life, so uh, so then there, there's no question. It's a mitzvah. So the question would be, can, can are they allowed to charge? Now, what's interesting is there's one important caveat, which Nachmanides talks about in number 18. He says this is only applicable if you're the only one that has this obligation of the mitzvah. Meaning, if it's not my mitzvah, uh, you know, there's someone ill in the community. It's not my just because I happen to be a physician doesn't mean I have the mitzvah. There's many people that can heal this person. Not the only doctor in town. It's not a one doctor town. If you live, if you're in a one doctor town where you're the only physician, then it's your mitzvah. So then you, it's obligatory on you. But if it's what's called, what he says is, if you look at number 18, if one encounters a mitzvah which is incumbent upon everyone, it's not my mitzvah per se, and he will only fulfill it if he's paid, so then I have a right to charge. Because it's not my mitzvah per se. There's a yes, there's, it's a, I fulfill a mitzvah if I heal someone and save someone's life. But it's not my particular mitzvah. The mitzvah is not obligatory on me, only on me. There's a community. We're all obligated. Okay, if there are many physicians, many people that can heal this person, so I'm not the only one. It's not my mitzvah per se. He says in that case, he says he's allowed to charge. We do not remove the payment from him. Or at least he says, he says you know, maybe he still shouldn't charge ideally. Um, but obviously that's not called a violation if he does charge. Because it's not his, so it has to, you know, the only time you can't charge is what he's saying is it's your particular mitzvah. Relevant to, to this, from the Turing pharmaceutical, if they're the only ones that make this drug of, of Darapin that can heal this, uh, I forgot what the name of the disease is, tasm, taxmosis, something taxmosis. Well, then in this article, okay, so then, so then it might be, then they're the only one that can save this person, because they're the only one producing this drug. <coughs> then it gets back into this, into this concept of it's their mitzvah, and then they, they might not be able to charge. Okay. But in order to produce the drug in the first place, they had to expend a lot of cash. Yes. We'll so I understand the making the money up, and there, there can, it can't be that cut and dry, because then you're kind of saying, okay, don't experiment almost. I mean, okay, so that's a good point. So, so you're right. So one of the things I saw here, actually I quoted, if you go 
Corelli in number two, one of his claims was that he's made a statement in front of Congress that this, if you look at the numbers, even though he's charging $750 per pill, it's not much different than, uh, than cancer-saving drugs that, uh, that, you know, for chemo where the price is not that much different. He's saying they're also charging similar amount for treatment. Okay, now th this was a, so I quoted this fact-checking here, which did a good job of really showing that it's not true. Meaning, because this drug, interestingly enough, it was actually invented by a Jewish woman um, way back in the 50s. If you look at the end of the paragraph, it says here, um, the trade name for paramethamin, a drug created by Nobel Prize-winning scientist Gertrude Elliott, who was a woman, Jewish woman, that can be, that was used to treat malaria as, um, as well as toxoplasmosis. This drug and all the research, this company, Turing, did zero research for this drug. They just acquired the rights to this drug that was invented in 1950. Okay, this company, Turing, um, bought the drug, and there's no more patent on it, it's not patented. Any company can make it. Okay, it's not patented, the patent was over in 1956 or something. Okay, and they just, they're the ones that happened to buy it. So they did no, there's no research involved. Like you're just saying, if you look at this paragraph, I'm not gonna read the whole thing, but it says, beyond cancer, mere disease treatment, few drugs cost more than $100,000, said David Howard, professor. So the high price Corelli cited isn't a good benchmark for deciding whether a drug is underpriced. He said, numbers aside, experts told us the real problem uh, the high problem cancer drugs shouldn't be compared to each other. Meaning he was comparing in his testimony to Congress that this Daraprim is just like any other cancer drug, which is over, you know, people are charging hundreds of thousand dollars for treatment. They're not peers, said Amir Adder and a professor of health law and policy, Percy Vlado. He could have said a bar of gold costs one million, so Daraprim is underpriced. There's no comparison. Because those, the cancer drugs are, like you're saying, the companies did the R&D for them, and they're doing, they spend millions of dollars on research to create these cancer drugs. So now they have a right, and halakhically also, like we're saying, if they spend millions of dollars on the research, they can now go ahead and charge for that research they've done. But this, co this, um, this company did zero research for this drug. Zero. They, they just paid money for it. They still bought it. Paid money, but the question is how much. And those, again, they're now, they can't claim their R&D is what they're charging. No, that I understand, except for a lot of arguments are made whether they're true or not, I, I don't know. But that, you know, a pharmaceutical company, not the same in general, more so than this particular case, but there's a hit and miss. Not everything they spend millions and millions of dollars on are going to make it through the FDA. Right, so that's why they have so a right to charge. One to, has to well, we'll get there. That's a different the question is do we, as a community or as a government, do we want to support, we want to help them with the research, which by our government does, of course. Most of the research is done with the FDA, meaning World Health, um, INA, what's it called? Oh, may I hear the, the Health Institutes in Washington spend, most of the millions comes from them in the research. Um, they help the drug companies, they subsidize the drug company's research um, if it's a promising drug. But what we're saying here is in this case, they, there was no research done by this company. Um, so you're right, they did have to pay for it, but, but it not, not, nowhere near, you know, this, this is a drug that there's no patent on it, there's no... Uh, all you can do is buy the patent, generic to go after them. Right, so any generic could make it. Now, the reason why they're not making it is because only 2,000 people need the drug. Okay. So it's not worth it for a generic company to make this drug. There's, there are other companies, supposedly internationally, that do make this drug. In America, there's no other company. Um, they also so have insurance costs because if somebody wants liability. to sell them because it did something adverse to them. Right, so that's, that is another interesting thing. I saw that in Halacha, um, that, where did I see this relevant to? 
Oh, Tosfos is interesting as far as a get because I do get him when you say so. There's a halacha that they discussed that when you write a get, so get also is a mitzvah. If I'm helping on the sofa, like you're saying, I'm writing get, or I'm being there as a witness on the get, so they charge. So how are they allowed to charge? So what the Shulchan says is actually supposed to charge. The witnesses have to get paid. It says the reason is two things. One is because there's a liability if the witness, the sofa messes up. So there's a liability involved. He's going to have to pay. It, you know, it's technically the way it get works is the ink, the paper all has to belong to the husband. Okay, that's why they make it choir when, you, when you, the husband has to pick it up, even the sofa. So because the Torah says it's his get. He's giving the get to the woman. So he has to, on the paper, the ink, the turkey, the quills, everything belongs to him. So if you mess up on the get, whether as a, as a witness signing the get, or so there's a liability. Now you have to pay for new paper and new quill. So it says what you're charging for is the liability. Okay, so, so first of all, relevant to us, you see that that's, you know, liability is something you can charge for. The fact that they have a liability is a very good point. Physicians and also pharmaceutical companies, that they have to get insurance, and there's a liability on their part. That alone, and this is from the Talmud already, that's sufficient to give them reason to charge. But again, within reason of what the liability is. So based on their insurance, and insurance costs, as we know, insurance costs are high, especially for, for, uh, for physicians and uh, what's it called, the... Uh, that's what it's called when they malpractice. malpractice insurance. Very high. That's probably one of the key costs in medicine today is malpractice, mm-hmm. especially for surgeons. And but I'm sure for I don't know pricing for drug Drugs companies. companies yeah, very high liability uh, insurance costs. So it is something that's brought in halach. Yes. Yeah. Growing up in the 1940s and 50s, I'm older than most of y'all in here, I think. Uh, a lot of the children my age <laughs> and older. <laughs> I'm 73. Okay. And a lot of the children contracted polio. Mm-hmm. Uh, including Nick Lampson, his older sister, who's a very close friend, published author at polio as a young child. And when Jonas Salk developed the Salk vaccine, they asked him, why didn't you have it patented? He said, because I wanted everybody, I wanted everybody to be able to make it, everybody to have it. Mm-hmm. Millions of children were at risk of being crippled. And he refused to have it patented. That's, that's the 1940s. Well, it's a Jew in the 90s. Jewish doctor. Yeah. 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 So, uh, so the, so the, so again, so you see this concept. Very good point. Liability itself um, is a reason to charge. Is seems according to the Talmud is the reason you can charge for get. By the way, another reason just as an aside. It says that the reason why the witness can, can charge also for his services, even though he's doing a mitzvah, is because the, the law is the witness is now allowed to marry the divorcee. So he lost. He has lost. He lost another fish in the sea. I mean, he can't marry the woman, the divorcee one, because it looks like his wife. Because he might have signed that he, he was in love with her, you know, he might have something going on there. So the witness is now to marry the divorcee. So therefore, there's another reason he gets paid. So just good to know. Um, but uh, there's another reason he'll have to charge, because he lost another fish, was lost in the sea. Okay, so, so, uh, so, but that, so that's another, that is a valid point. Um, again, as far as liability. Um, that, w- that would be another reason to answer for Turing why they can charge. Again, the question now becomes what the cap is on their charge. So you know, as we're saying, we're giving reasons why technically they'd be allowed to charge for their R&D in, if, in other cases or for 
their costs, so to speak, their overhead, um, and also for their liability. But all those are relevant. Um, all those might be relevant in some in applied to this case. But the question is, can is there a cap on the charge? Okay, so I just want two other sources here that I missed. One is just the codification, but source number 19 is an interesting thing. So much so, by the way, it says when it comes to saving a life, Talmud talks about a fascinating case where you have, it says someone is escaping from jail. Assumption is it's, he's running for his life, um, where it was an unjust, uh, talking in Roman times, Talmudic times, so the assumption is the Roman justice system, he's in there, he's unjustly, okay, he's escaping, he comes to, a, he has to cross a river. Um, and there's a ferry driver who's going to take him across the river. So the driver says, yeah, you're running for your life. I'll, I'll take you across the river, but it's going to cost you $100,000. Okay? Talmud, Talmud times it was a dinner or whatever the dinner's worth. So he says, okay, no problem, I'll pay you. And then he crosses, and then uh, the guy says, okay, you got to pay me. He says, ah, I was just joking. Okay, he says the Talmud, he's not lying, he doesn't have to pay. Because he was running for his life. Technically, this guy had an obligation to save his life. So he can't price gouge him and charge him more than more than the going rate, says the Talmud. Okay, um, if you look at that's number 19. So it says one who stipulates a price more than the value under duress, and in particular pressing situation, can then say, "Quote: My stipulation was made in jest." Hebrew in the Talmud terms is mishatani I was joking. So technically, this would work for medicine too. If you need a life-saving medicine, and you go into some pharmacy and you say, "Okay, I'll pay. Let's make a payment plan," or you contact the pharmaceutical company, and then. You, don't, you really don't have the money to pay for it. Again, only with a life-saving drug. It seems like, from according to this, to this Nachmanelizia, and as we'll see, it's codified in the Jewish law, that you can then say, I'm not paying you. More than the going rate. You have to pay them something. But you, you don't have an obligation to pay more than the going rate. And obviously, that has to be defined. What would be the value for that drug? Okay, so that's what he goes on to say here. And so, is, so too is the law when it comes to the purchase of medicines and more than their value. So Nachmanelizia explicitly applies this Talmudic case of the ferry driver where the guy said I was joking, he was running for his life, and the ferry driver, he applies it to medicines. Okay, this is written in, in the 1200s in Spain. So Nachmanis is applying this to medicines. He says, he says, so too is the law when it comes to the purchase of medicines and more than the value made under duress or pressing situation of the illness is only obligated to pay the value of the item. This is, by the way, a famous case of uh, known as the Heinz Dilemma um, in England where uh, a guy I don't think it's really a case, but it's a famous ethical dilemma where uh, someone didn't have money, his wife had cancer, didn't have money to pay for the drugs, he refused to, to give it to him, so he broke into the pharmacy at night, broke in, and he stole the drug. And the question was, do you prosecute the guy or not? He was saving, literally saved his wife's life, <coughs> couldn't afford to save their life with this, by stealing the drugs. Is that called? Do you prosecute the person or not? That's known as the Heinz dilemma in, uh, in, in ethics. Um, so according to Allah, he had, technically, you'd say he had a right to do that. You can't prosecute him for that. Saving his wife's life. You, you're allowed to steal to save someone's life. Okay? Um, it's no different than a than, uh, case, you know, uh, every, every cop chase in the movie, you know, where they take the guy out of his car, right? You, know, you, run, you have to take someone's car, just chase the crook. You rip the guy out of his car and you steal his car. Okay? It's technically no different. Stealing medicines to save a life technically would fit under this same heading, but that's a whole different class. I'm not talking about stealing here, here we're talking about price caps. Okay, but, but in essence, what my man is saying is you can scam the drug company or Walgreens, whoever it is, and say, I'm gonna pay you, and but you're only obligated to pay then for the value of the drug, not above that. How do you define value? That's a different question. Okay. 
Um, so we'll get to that in a second. Um, but it says here that so this number twenty here on the bottom of the sheet. This is from the Shulchan Aruch itself, Yosef Cairo, again written uh, six hundred fifty years ago. Um, uh, the Jewish law it says a doctor may not take payment for knowledge and advice, as we mentioned, but he may take payment for his trouble and refraining from other employment. So he, his trouble meaning for the effort put in, for the work put in, um, like we said, going to medical school, the overhead involved. Um, what the, the Shulchan Aruch in Hebrew, the term is tircha, is bother. Okay, but not for his knowledge, meaning treating you, telling you a form of treatment, I'm advising you your form of treatment or diagnosing your treatment, that's based on my knowledge, that's a mitzvah. I have to save your life. I have to tell you what you should do to, to, uh, to save your life. So that I can't charge. Um, and I could also charge for what's called schar batala, for the, the, the time involved. It could have been day trading or whatever else. Okay? Number three, so that's as far as treatment. Shulchan Aruch goes on to say, one has a medication needed by a patient, he's forbidden to charge for more than the usual price. So again, he's codifying this uh, stipulation is what Nachman stated in number 19. It's being codified in the Shulchan Aruch by saying that um, if someone needs this medication, he could only charge the regularly going rate for that medication, the usual price. Even if the patient agreed to pay the higher price, um, let's say I told him initially, I'm okay, whatever you charge me, I'm going to pay because I need it for my wife's treatment. Since the medication was not available elsewhere, he may only take its usual price. The pharmacy can only take what the going rate is. They can't price gouge just because this guy needs it. Or as in this case, in Shkareli's case, charge now, knowing that this the only, they're the only ones making the medicine in the United States, so they're going to charge $750 a tap. Okay? Assumption is that's a lot more than the going rate. Again, before that, it was only, you said, uh, 1350 And as soon as this company took it over, they raised it to $750 a tap. So my question is, Shalom.